<clears throat> hey, good morning, Creekside. Uh, it's my pleasure today to be able to welcome back one of our pastors from the past, Pastor Steve Magoon. Uh, he pastors our sister church at Bay Point Open Bible just right over the hill. And uh, for some of you, you may know him, others you may not. But he was on staff here for 12 years where he was the uh, started out as our youth pastor and then moved to our children's ministries pastor and uh, did a wonderful job. And he and his wife, Kelly, started some of the really uh, wonderful outreach events that we have here. Uh, namely, they were the visionaries behind our crab feed that has gone so well and moved forward. Uh, but they were the ones that really had the vision for that. And uh, they also uh, started our youth auction to raise funds for our children to go to camp so that uh, we wouldn't have to do all these nickel and dime fundraisers. So it's a real joy. It's a great privilege. And uh, I'm thrilled to have Pastor Steve Magoon come and share with us this morning. So would you please give him a warm Creekside welcome uh, this morning as he comes up. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I am scared to death to be here. Uh, it, it, there's, there's a couple of reasons, you know. Um, I haven't been here in a few years. Uh, that, that's scary. A lot of you, I don't know. And a lot of you don't know me. And so I'm going to say some things, and you may see someone next to you going, ha, I get that, and you're like, whoa, what is that? That's all right. That's all right. We'll get through this. It's scary because some of you have known me since I was a teenager growing up in this church. And uh, God changes us, man. Let's get over it. I was 14. <laughs> Come on. But, but God does some amazing things through, through the life if you just take one step at a time. Listen, um, Terry's going to be back someday. I, I, <laughs> Not video. He, he will be here live someday. But uh, So anything that you don't understand or anything that you don't get or, you know, if I blaspheme something, Terry at Creekside.org. Uh, just because, you know what, I'm not going to be here next week. Uh, I'll be over the hill. I'll have go over the hill, and I will be over there. So uh, this is a little strange. I'm used to this 90-degree talking, so you guys on the sides, if I never get to you, I love you, man. You guys are awesome, the most awesome people in the world. But if I never look at you again, it's not because I don't like you. It's just that I'm used to 90 degrees. I mean, I'm used to this. So anyways, for those of you that don't know me, <laughs> I grew up in this church, as Terry kind of said. I grew up here uh, under Jim Warford as my youth pastor. Uh, I still made it. Uh, Brian Beal as my youth pastor, look at me, still did it. See, it doesn't matter. You can get over your youth pastor and you can make it. Uh, great influences for me. Um, I went off to EBC, which is now New Hope, uh, got married, started a family in Eugene, and then we all kind of came back here as youth pastors, as Terry said. We were youth pastors, we were volunteers, we were uh, children's pastors here. And then uh, five years ago... Uh, Terry said, go. <laughs> Not like that, but he says, uh, we've gathered, right? We've grown, and now it's time to go. And, and so we ventured out five years ago over the hill. There's a place called Bay Point over that hill. I know you guys don't like that hill is kind of, but there's a nice place over there. And so we started doing some of the things that we learned here. And, and you know what? Over the hill is different. 
It is a different place. Different things. Some of the things we did there, guess what? Don't work anymore because it's not here, even though it's just smart, you know, just seven miles away. Um, those of you that may not know, uh, you have to do things different in different places. And some of you may not know this, but over there, we did some things. We made some changes. Uh, God just said, it's time to make some changes. I didn't do them all right. Um, because I'm good at that. And, and I went there and people said, we want change. We want to do things a new way. So I came in and I said, let's do things a new way. And I took the bandage and I ripped it off. And there was this big gaping wound. And they didn't like that. Uh, it, there's a picture. I don't know. Ian's stolen off the internet. There's a picture. If you look at the picture behind me, don't really look at me in that picture, you will see pews. Yeah, those don't exist anymore. You guys may not know this, but a lot of churches sit in pews and chairs, in rows. No, really, like, like rows, and they just look forward. They don't get a bottle to put on their thing. They don't get to eat. They don't get to do all these things at tables. They actually sit in rows in churches. Kids actually don't run around in a lot of churches and have fun. I hate to say it, but uh, they don't do that. Needless to say, we didn't believe in that. And uh, we believed uh, that, you know, kids should have fun and that uh, people, though they don't sit in pews anymore, we still, this table thing's a little freaky. And uh, so, um, but, so, uh, long story short, um, a lot of people decided they didn't like that. And so, so they left, great, you know, because uh, we decided to build a new foundation. And it was a foundation built on reaching out to the community, making sure that they know who Jesus is making sure that they know who Jesus is. So we started doing these things called AOK events. I don't know if you've ever heard those things. Uh, we did them. Uh, some of them worked from here. Some of them didn't. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys uh, for helping us get our crab feeds going. Now listen, we don't sell out just yet, but this year is the year. We did. You guys may not know this, but the crab feed didn't always sell out. Some of you are like, it doesn't just sell out all the time, every day. Every, no. It doesn't. There's a lot of groundwork, and, and so now you, you, you're getting to get that, hey, get your seats early or you don't get a seat, right? Um, and so some of those things, and so right now that's one of the things that we're doing. We're doing just like you, get, do the crab feed, help the schools, uh, going out into the community, making sure they know who we are. Uh, the, one of the things when we were out in the community, one of the things we heard a lot was, yeah, we drive by there every day. Have you ever stopped? Just stop once. Just, just stop once. But that, that's kind of how things have been going. And, and I want to thank you guys. You guys have supported us. One of the things that you guys can be praying, there's not a lot of things to do in Bay Point. Because it's not a city like here. You know, it's a county thing. And it's just kind of this, their thing. And so I would ask you, would you guys pray? We're, we're, we're trying to get, we have this big field. And, and it's just a field. And we're trying to get it to grass. We are trying to actually be Bay Point community. This is where you go to do everything to have fun. And so we, we need some grass to maybe start a sports program. Bunch of different things we need. But be praying for that because that's the direction we're going. And, and, and the more prayer, the better. Uh, like I said, everything doesn't work right the first time. And sometimes it takes some struggles. Do you know, you, Terry's up there, crab feet. Oh, yeah, it's great to say that now, but you remember when, we, when it was first presented to you and you said, uh, trial basis, we'll see if it's going to work. 
it, listen, it's not, you know, that was first year. And then, and then there was some, some big power that came in behind and said, you know what, we're going to make this happen. Uh, you know, we didn't even get to start with one crab feed in Bay Point. You're doing two. We don't, we don't even know anybody. How are we doing two? You're doing two. Okay, thank you. But see, that's the thing. Some things we don't really understand what's going to happen down the road. We don't understand if it's really going to work. But we go and we do what God's called us to do. And, and then later on, we kind of figure out that next phase. Um, can, I want to give you a little secret. That story that I told about me and, and my whole travels through and, and how I ended up on this stage today. Um, let me tell you a little secret. There's a thread that goes through that I, I've never shared with anybody. And I didn't share with anybody before I went through it. A lot of people know it now because they know me. But let me give you a little secret that before I did any of these things, before any of the things that uh, God said you would need, there was this thread. And that thread was this. Nobody knew it except for my inner circle. My inner circle was me and Jesus. Because... I couldn't tell people that about, you know what, I'm going to go through this door and I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial. There's, a, there's this Oscar Mayer commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, the commercials are, uh, they say no, 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 and then they present Oscar Mayer and it's a yes, right? Well, um, that was me. That was me. You know, God said, hey, are, are you ready to go to EBC? No. Are you ready to get married? Absolutely not. Ready to have kids? Not even close. Are you ready to go into full-time ministry? No. Are you ready to be a senior pastor? No. In fact, I don't even have a desire to be one. Are you ready to be a grandparent? Now that's a little different. No. Are you kidding me? I know how I screwed up my kids, let alone my grandchild. But at least now I can blame it on somebody else, right? Hey, go home. Yeah, we're going to go get some ice cream. Yeah, we're going to go to Pops and we're going to go to Cream and we're going to get some ice cream and I'm going to feed you and I'm going to give you to Dad and Mom. But see, that's how it works. We really don't know. What's next? We don't know that next step. Can I tell you this? I found that God usually will not ask you to do things. He will not ask you to do things when you think you're ready. I don't know why that is. But it's probably because he needs us to step out in faith. But that's why we need to be in the word every day. We need to understand what God is saying to us so that when that situation comes, we can say yes and not no because we say no so much of the time. Listen, God does not need you to know what is going to happen five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. He needs to know, do you know what to do today? Just right now. That's all he has. One of the things that Brittany shared with us in the, uh, after the whole delivery thing, one of the things he said is, that, how'd you get through it? And she said, well, Christopher was there just saying, you just got to get through this one contraction. 
Just get through this one contraction, that's it. Get through it. And she did. And then she did. And nine minutes later, boom. Summer Rosalie. Now listen, if Christopher was there saying, hey, listen, I've read about this. You're going to be going through this for about two or three hours, this pain. And it's going to get worse and worse. What would have happened? Brittany would have said, epidural. But as long as she got through that one, and that's all she focused on, she was good. And, And that's kind of what God needs us to do. God needs us to focus on what is at hand. You may know the story of Peter walking on water. What happened? As long as he was looking at Jesus, things were good. When he started looking at the circumstances and those things around him, that's when he got wet. And we need to understand that we need to not worry so much about the details and so much about what's going to happen in the future and in 10 years will things look different. We need to say, am I focusing on Jesus right now? If you think about Peter at that time in his life, really think about it. Peter only had a cut. Well, he had a lot of things. I mean, he was able to speak and put his foot in his mouth at the same time. He was able to do a lot of things wrong. But you know the only thing that he was able to do at that point in his life? Trust that what Jesus said, trust that what Jesus said was true. And second, he had to know how to walk. That was it. That was all the gifts, all the things that he needed to do. Trust in Jesus and walk. And he was able to walk on water. Now, today we're going to go into a different story about Peter. And if you have Bibles, turn it to Acts chapter 3. And we're going to discover that God never asks you what you don't have. He just wants to know what you have. He just wants to know what you have. The book of Acts, it's a brief glimpse of the history of the church. Obviously, it's not all of it because there's no way you could write it all down. It's a brief glimpse. I'm going to give you what has happened up to this point. Uh, At this point, uh, Jesus ascended up into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down on them. They speak in unknown languages. And that's really about it. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's where they are. They're getting together in small groups and talking about Jesus. They're chilling and grilling with one another and just kind of doing those type of things. And and then all of a sudden, all the people seem to be at the temple, and they'd have these big kind of meetings and these big kind of talking things at the temple. And that's where our story takes place. So in Acts 3.1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, ha- I do have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. 
and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So first off here, it says one day. Now, what one day was this? I don't know. Uh, But I think it's very early in their ministry. They've received the Holy Spirit. And this story kind of just starts right after that uh, in, the, in this history. And they're going to a time, and they're going from the time of prayer, going into the temple. They're praying. Now, the question I have to ask myself is, they are Christians. Why are they going into the Jewish temple to pray? I don't know. Maybe because when Jesus was around, that's what they did, Right? Jesus and them went to the temple all the time. Jesus didn't always pray. Sometimes he turned over tables. Sometimes he whipped things. And, but he went to the temple regularly to pray. So maybe they were thinking, you know what? When Jesus was here, we did it. So now we should do it. Maybe that's why. Maybe they thought, you know, since it was such a good idea, maybe we should go there and pray. And, you know, no one's really using the temple at certain times. And so maybe we should just go to the temple and pray during those times. We're in Jerusalem. Let's just pray. Uh, my thought is, is that, you know, don't they understand that they are filled with the Holy Spirit now? God goes everywhere they are. They don't have to go to a building. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to go anywhere for God to be present with you. Sometimes we, we think that this is the holy of holies. Listen, there's been a lot of things happening here that were long not holy. But you know what? Wherever you are. Wherever you sit, if you accepted Jesus, He is there with you. The Holy Spirit is there. You don't have to go to a temple. But they went. So there must be something important about going to the temple. I think one of the things about Peter and John is this whole Christianity thing's new. It's not very old. It's a couple of days, maybe weeks, maybe a month. They really don't know what to do, so all they do is go to what they've known. And so when you go to what you know, I think maybe for them, they were always on the outlook of fulfilling God's or Jesus' last words to them. And what did he say? Go. And I think for them, this was the best place to gather other people. This was the best place to do it. Why? You have all of these people going to a place where they love God. So they want to know about God. They want to know who he is. And now all you have to do is slide in and go, you know that God that you're here to see and that you're talking? He sent his Messiah. And this is him. Let me show you how Jesus was the Messiah. How easy is that? I mean, it's people breaking down the doors. You have a captive audience of people who want to seek God, want to love God. And then all of a sudden, they're there and you can just say, Well, Jesus is the answer to all of the things that you've been looking for. How easy. And guess what happens? 3,000 added to their number that day. 5,000 added to their number. 25,000, 60,000, whatever. We're always adding. Why? Because they had something in common with these people. They were able to have something in common with them. And I think that's a good reminder for us. When we are to gather when we are to reach out to people, 
we need to reach out to people where they are and not really expect them to come to where we are. I think that is what Jesus, listen, he does not ask you to come to him, then go up on top of a mountain and sit there and praise him. Because the praising will be good, and you may get something out of it, but you're really useless to him on a mountain by yourself. He asks you to gather, grow, and go. He's asking you to go somewhere and do something, and he doesn't ask you to do it. That's why we do, listen, you guys may not know this, you probably do. There's these things called AOK events. Do we do a car show just because we like cars? No. Do we put all that money and effort and those things into things like the car show, into things like trunk or treat, into things, well, like sea games, into things like a crab feed? Because let me tell you, if you've ever done one of those events, you don't get up the next day going, whoo, I'm so energized. <laughs> Woohoo! Give me another, unless your name's Ernest Lampa. Then you might get up the next day and, let's do three. <laughs> Just kidding, he would never do that. <clears throat> Why do we do those? Because they're fun things for families to come to. And then when those families come to, they just might meet somebody like you who loves Jesus, who has a smile on their face. And they're saying, why do you guys do this? Well, let me tell you. And you're able to share. Listen, maybe <laughs> at my church, sorry, at my church, we don't have AOK events called, come here and read the Bible with us. Why? Because I've never heard a non-Christian that wants to go do that event. Now, we may grow people and we may say, hey, all you Christians, if you want to come and read the Bible with us, great, come and... But where did, that's not an AOK, that's, they don't want to do that. But they do want to come and look at a cool car. They do want to come and let their kids have fun at a sea games or have, you know, do trunk or treat or something like that. They want to do those things. And so when they're doing those things, that's why you do those events. Because we, we are to go where they are. We can't expect them to come where we are. I think the disciples went there because those were the easiest people to gather. They were Jews. They understood Jewish life. They understood all that the Jewish people were going through, all the things that they thought. And so they said, you know what? These would be the easiest people for us to reach. I think if they went to the Roman parliament, they probably would not have seen anybody come to know Jesus. But they went to the people they knew. And that's why your experiences, the people you know, the people that you have influence with, those are the people that you need to go to. Those are the people you need to have. The next thing uh, that they talk about is... Uh, Peter and John, they connect with this man, right? They connect to this man who's been crippled since birth. Now, there's a lot going on in this. And, and listen, what I tell my congregation all the time is there is no way I could get so deep and get into everything that's ever, that I read. But guess what? You guys can do it on your own. God can tell you things through the scripture. I can't get to all of it. There is no way because there's a clock back there that keeps ticking. And so we got, we got to make sure that we get through. I'm just going to hit highlights and go back and reread this, and you will find some deep truths. Uh, we see that he has some friends that drop him off to the gate where? In Jerusalem to the temple. Why? That's a great place. Because what does he need? He needs food. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but 
Back in those days, there wasn't disability insurance. There wasn't Social Security. You either were taken care of by somebody or you died. That was it. And that's what the church was about back then. That's what you saw the church doing. That's why they gathered together. And if you read through Acts, you will see a lot of things that they did. And so the thing is, is that they were dropped off where? At the temple. Because why? People going to church are probably a little happier to give than people who don't go to church. Right? People going into the bar are thinking, I need my money to pay for the bill. Where the people are coming there, they got offerings in their hand. They maybe have some things and they can go, hey, you know what? You're right. I got some money here. I got some barley. I have some food. Here you go. And so that's a great place to be dropped off because they're kind of in a good giving mood because what? They're worshiping God. Now what he has is what? He has friends and relatives that are willing. Think about this. Every single day to pick him up and take him to the temple and set him there so that he could have his needs met so that he could get food, so that maybe someone can drop him a coin or two, so that what? He can buy food. Because all it is is about existence at this point. He had friends and relatives that were willing to do this every single day to take care of him. The man asked for money, which most people do, right? I mean, if you don't have money, you ask for money. Um, Because he thought that's what he needed. He needed money. Why? Because he needed to survive. When, when you live a certain lifestyle and you live a certain way, all you try to do is figure out a way how you can get through that day in that lifestyle. Now him being crippled, he just needed food every day and he could survive. And so that was his lifestyle. Now, depending on your lifestyle, that will depend on what you're thinking about. You may get up in the morning and think, how am I going to get my next high? Where am I going to get my next drugs from? Where am I going to get that alcohol from? Where am I going to, and just go down the list. Where am I going to get that next thrill? How am I going to make that extra dollar? How am I going to be able to? And that is your bubble. That's where you live in. And you live inside this bubble because that's all you know. And you need to come to an understanding that all he thought he needed, his need that day was more food. But he didn't understand really what he really needed. He didn't understand the whole picture. We need to understand unless you are willing, unless I am willing to those people that I I know that are in these bubbles, and if I'm willing to say, hey, listen, I know you're in this bubble and you think this is all what it's all about but you're killing yourself. Let me show you a better way. I have to be willing to take that person, pick them up on their mat, and take them to where they can get real healing, where they can get real needs met. But I have to be willing. He had some guys that were willing to do that. And then what did Peter and John do? They engaged with the man. They looked at him directly and say, look at us. Let me take some time here. Now, I, I know all of you here don't act the way like people in my church or me. <laughs> but have you ever done this? Now, I, now, listen. There are people that are out on the streets that say, can you give me money? And that can be scary, right? 
And that can be really, really scary, and that can be, I can't do that. I can't engage. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the person that's maybe sitting next to you right now. And they say, hey, Cheryl, how you doing? I really don't want to know, but I just want to say that because I need to be polite, and I just saw you. That's what I'm really thinking, right? Because if she really told me how she was doing, I really don't want to hear it. I love Cheryl, and I follow her on Facebook, so we're, we're close. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You say, how are you doing? But you really don't want to know the answer. You really don't want to engage. You just want to be polite or nice. Peter and John were willing to engage this man. Look at me. Let me take interest in who you are. There are a lot of hurting, crippled people in this world that we just bypass. And they could be sitting next to you right now. They could be waiting for you at home. They could be a relative, a neighbor, a coworker that really don't know they're crippled. They really don't know they're in need of something, but they really are. And they need someone to engage them, someone that will really take an interest and really engage them. And when you do that, and when I do that, we can be just like Peter. We can be just like him in this instance. And we can say, listen, man, I don't know. I don't have what you think you need. But I do have something. His name is Jesus Christ. Because they may not know what they need, but I guarantee you, if you would introduce them to Jesus, they would be healed. They would be healed from whatever is that is ailing them. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. They don't understand that they need a healing. They don't understand that God can do something in their life to take them out of that bubble and set their feet on solid ground. They need somebody willing to come by and do that. You may not have what people want, but you do have what they need. It's when you are introduced to the power of Jesus Christ, you will see people healed. Now, does that mean that the crippled man may walk? Don't know. But see, the crippled man thought he needed food. That wasn't what he needed. He needed a touch from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he needed. So um, we have gifts. We have talents. Peter's talent was that he could walk and he was able to walk on water. Peter's talents, I don't know what they all were, but they start getting fleshed out in his life. But all he was able to do was give them Jesus. And God gives you talents. God gives you gifts. But he doesn't give you them just for you. He gives you so that you will make a difference. Peter could have very easily reached into his pocket or whatever they had back then, and he could have given him a coin. Peter didn't go empty-handed. You don't go to temple empty-handed. You always bring something. And Peter could have easily given him something to, to suffice the moment. 
but he engaged him and said, listen, I got something what you really need. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And yeah, it will say rise up and walk. And, and that's what he gave them. And Jesus doesn't give you gifts and talents to just use any way you want. He gives you gifts and talents to make a difference. Your gifts and the talents that God has given you, your passions, are not just for you. They're to make a difference in somebody else's life. That's why he gave them to you. Just real quick, don't go through all the years of your life, but real quick, take an inventory of your life. How many things have you done, and how many things are you currently doing, Steve, that don't make a difference in anybody's life, not even your own? It may be a fun for a minute. Maybe it got me through the last two hours, but did they make a difference? Did they improve me? Did they make a difference in somebody else's life? See, that's why he gave you the gifts and the talents he gave you. For other people. See, when I spend time, and I had spent time with my gifts and my talents, and, and I use them to help other people come closer to the Lord, that makes a difference in their life. When I fellowship, when I'm in a group like this and I fellowship, and I saw you guys on the camera, and by the way, some of you guys in the back, that camera hits right there. That's why Timmy sits over here now. Just uh, <laughs> I wasn't bald till I went to Bay Point. I could say that now. That makes a difference when you can encourage someone, when you can get together, when you tithe, when you give to missions that go down to Mexico right now. Because you gave, they're there. That makes a difference. The great thing about all these ways that you give and you can make a difference is not only will it change somebody else's life, but it'll change yours. It will change your life when you make a difference. What would have happened if those friends wouldn't have spent every morning taking that guy to the temple? What if they would have just said, oh, you know what, I don't think Bill needs me today. Guess what, they wouldn't have met Peter and John. And they, he wouldn't have met Jesus. Every day, that's a lot of it, that's a lot but they made a difference in another person's life. They may have brought them thinking, you know what, I just need to meet this physical need for him. But then God shows up. See, you don't know what you're doing if it's going to make a difference unless you allow God to show up. Because God will show up when you use your gifts and talents for him. When you use your gifts and talents to make a difference. We have to be willing to give our gifts and talents so that they make a difference. When you're willing to do that, when you're able to do that and say, you know what, I am going to give my gifts and talents, we will get to witness the same things that Peter and John witnessed. Lives being changed. Someone who is in lifelong bondage being able to break free of that 
and now being able to walk in freedom, walking and leaping and praising God. But that's only when we're willing to go out and do that. Not only did this man's life change forever because Peter and John were willing to do that, but Peter and John's life changed forever. You have to think about them at this time. Think about it for just a moment. Since Jesus has been gone, the only miracle they've really seen is that they spoke in another tongue. That may have freaked them out a little bit. But guess what? Jesus said before he left, you're going to do greater things than this. You are going to be able to do all that I have done and greater. And guess what? They saw Jesus go to a crippled man and say, rise. A withered hand and say, be healed. A blind person. A dead person. And so here they are testing it out. Okay, John, you know, Jesus said this. Yeah. Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, don't got any money? Oh, we're all good at that, right? Ain't got no money, but hey, Jesus wants to meet you. Rise up and walk. <laughs> it worked. Are you kidding me? Do you think that the next time they saw a crippled man, they were like, come on. Hey, no, everybody walk. Y'all walking, going into the hospitals. Everybody get up, get out. Why? Because God used them to change a life. And it wasn't about crippled people walking. It was about people in bondage being able to now love God, being able to now have a relationship. Let me tell you, there is nothing more exciting than when you talk to somebody and say, you know, I really can't meet all of your needs, but Jesus met this need in my life. And he says he'll do the same for you. Why don't we give that a shot? And then their lives are changed. See, you may have stories about me as a youngster, but I've got stories of you too. And some of you, never mind. But that will jazz you, that will pump you, and the next time you see somebody, you're not going to go, should I engage in that person? Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen if I engage in that person. I didn't ask you what you need to know. I just want you to engage and listen. And are they needing what I have? Yes. You have what they need. You have Jesus. I, <laughs> any of you guys know a guy named Scott McConnell? He's just this crazy guy. I should have looked and see if he was here. Um, he, he would come to me every once in a while, and it was great because he would come to me and he'd say, Steve, sign me up for another year. Why? <laughs> Some kid just gave their heart to the Lord. Scott McConnell, teaching, another year. Boom, done. Why? He was excited. He was happy. Why? Because he worked all this time to do all this stuff, and he's saying, is it, is it making a difference? And a kid comes up and says, I want that. It made a difference. And he said, whew, yeah, I'm excited. I want to go teach again. I want to go teach again. I want to go teach again. And that's what Jesus does. I don't know if you know what your gifts and talents are. You do know them, but you may not know what you want to do with them. 
Jesus, the only gift that Peter needed was to know how to walk. So, do you know how to smile? Do you know how to say hello to somebody and mean it? I bet you there's some ushers or greeters that would say, hey, you can come and be on my team. What do I need to be an usher or greeter? You got to be able to smile? (laughs) Everybody try it. Yeah, see, you can all be, well, not all of you, okay. Um, You can, right? What do you have? That's all he asks. He doesn't ask what don't you have. Listen, I will never do what Ian does. I don't have that gift. I don't have those talents, and I wouldn't try. I want to be able to speak like my son-in-law, Christopher. I'm, I'm going for it. I want to try and do that. I will never speak like, I won't lead like Terry leads. I can make every excuse in the book for everything because I don't have a lot of stuff that is needed. But Jesus never asked me what I don't have. He says, what do you have? And I said, I can walk. And he says, good, step through this door. We're going to go on an adventure. I can't get married. I don't know. Can you? Yes. Okay, I'll follow you. You're having a kid. There's no getting over it. Okay. It's funny. Somebody asked me one time and said, how did you raise your kids? I have no idea. Yeah, Kelly. This is my story. I have no idea. And I still don't. I'll never write a book. It's just one step at a time. One step at a time. Please, do not limit what God can do through you. Because it's Him doing it through you. And you don't need to know what's going to happen in 5, 10, 20 years. Just do the one step. Go through and let Him work through you. Don't limit. You don't know what He has for you down the road. Pray with me. Father, I thank You for this time. I pray that You would instill this into our being, who we are as a person. That it would be so instilled that we don't even have to think about it. We just do it. That we use our gifts and our talents. And we follow you to help people get out of bondage. Help people from walking through life crippled. And let them know the freedom that there is in you. Use us this week to gather, grow, and go. In your name, amen. Amen, you are loved. Have a great rest of the day.